The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Monday edition, PFT PM, July 30 is the day. Just two days removed from a visit to Vikings training camp. Beautiful new facility on 200 acres, 277,000 square feet. Their old facility, 80,000 square feet. And here's how outdated their old facility was. No elevators in the old facility. So if there was a player on crutches due to an injury, or I guess on crutches by choice, he had to go up steps with his crutches to get to the cafeteria or get to different places in the facility. So... Very happy the Vikings are with this new facility, and they think it will help them attract free agents, and it makes things more efficient. Everything that they do, they spared no expense. They're going to build a hotel out there. They've got multiple practice fields. There's a 6,500-seat stadium where they're going to do high school football games, lacrosse games, et cetera, concerts, weather permitting. And it really is first-rate, top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art facility. And it gives the Vikings, as a practical matter, an edge. Now, there's not going to be a clear line between that facility and winning football games. But Sheldon Richardson, for example, a guy who may have gone elsewhere, but for walking into that facility and being blown away by it and choosing to sign with the Vikings on a one-year deal as a free agent earlier this year. I had a chance to speak with four members of the Vikings organization at practice recorded. I talked to a lot of other people there that day and picked up a lot of useful information that will come out in dribs and drabs over the course of the season, but recorded interviews with tight end Kyle Rudolph, coach Mike Zimmer, and defensive ends Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. We're going to play those for you one after another coming up in just a few minutes, and that's all we're going to do today. I'm going to talk a little bit. I'll lay out for the interviews to be played, and then we'll call it a day. Tomorrow, PFTPM podcast features a visit with Case Keenum, the new Broncos quarterback and former Vikings starter. Patrick Mahomes from that same division, first-year starter of the Kansas City Chiefs, will be joining us on Wednesday. So it is going to be a very busy week as the training camps are all open and we're rocketing toward the first game of the preseason Thursday night in Canton, Chicago Bears and Baltimore Ravens. Quick news update. The Sam Darnold holdout is over. And there was a lot of conflicting information over the past 24 hours about why he was holding out. Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News said it ultimately was about offset language in the contract. The provision that prevents a player from double dipping. I never knew I needed to enunciate that word carefully. Double dipping Chris Sims in the event that he's cut at some point over the four years of the contract and gets the money that he was due to make from the Jets, plus whatever he makes from a new team. With offset language, the Jets would get a dollar-for-dollar credit. Darnold yielded on that point, as every other top 10 player did. There's no rookies that had offset language removed this year. But Darnold got some other valuable consideration in return. Number one, 
$20 million signing bonus is going to be paid out in full within 15 days, which never happens. Never happens. Baker Mayfield got a large chunk of his signing bonus now, and he gets the rest of it, I think, in October. To get all of it within 15 days is impressive. Teams don't like to part with that money. They like to commit to the signing bonus. You've earned it, but you get it later. That was one of the hangups two years ago with Joey Bosa, third overall pick of the Chargers. They wanted to push a huge chunk of that signing bonus into the following year. Bosa wanted as much of it as possible right now. So on cash flow, Donald wins. Donald won on this language regarding fines imposed by the league or the team possibly wiping out his guaranteed money and examples that were given to me. And I hadn't really thought about it this way. If, for example, there's any type of fine imposed by the team and Eric Weddle had some stupid little petty fine imposed on him when things had fallen out of favor with him and the chargers and he went to something involving his daughter and they, they whacked him for a fine, anything like that. And then the guarantees get wiped out. And I also didn't realize this. Under the substance abuse policy and the PED policy, if you go out of town on a moment's notice and you forget to let the sample collector know that you're going to be out of town and that person shows up and wants to collect a sample at that point, you're fined 25 grand. And that would be enough to wipe out the guarantees in Darnold's deal. Any type of fine would have wiped it out. So all fines have been removed from the triggers for wiping out the future guarantees. And that's something the Jets had included in past deals. Any fine, any suspension gets your guarantees wiped out. And here's how this happens and can unfold as a practical matter. I think quarterbacks are the most vulnerable. You get a new regime in New York, new coach, new GM, or both, and they decide they don't like Sam Darnold. Well, you set up some stupid little fine. It wipes out his guarantees, and then it's easier to cut him. Otherwise, you're stuck with him at $30 million for the next four years. So I think it's important to have that protection. Or let's just say he's Christian Hackenberg again. I mean, they were able to get rid of Christian Hackenberg and not pay out the rest of his salary. But with Darnold, the money's fully guaranteed for four years. And with Darnold, they're going to owe him $30.2 million, even if he goes MIA and you never see him in a regular season game like Hackenberg. So... It's important for Donald to have those protections. He also got the same protection as Saquon Barkley against a suspension for on-field misconduct. Now, what quarterback is going to get in trouble for dropping his helmet and ramming it into opponent? Well, we assume none, but think about the Tom Brady quarterback sneak. And it's funny, I saw them running some quarterback sneaks in Minnesota, and, and the quarterbacks were not low. Now, they didn't have pads on either. But you ram in there head first as a quarterback with your helmet, the traditional quarterback sneak where you dive forward, in theory, that is a violation of this new helmet rule. So that's another protection that it was important for Donald to have. And then finally, training camp roster bonuses are used extensively in these rookie deals. And that's a large chunk of money that get, gets paid out early in camp. And it's one of the ways to get around the offset issue. So the offset language is in there. All right, well, if the Jets have Sam Donald, let's say year four, they've got Sam Donald under contract. He's there for training camp. They decide at the end of training camp they're just done with him. The amount of money that's even eligible for offset is a lot smaller because he got the big chunk of that pay for the year four of his contract early in camp. Well, here's the downside. If you're on the active NFI list, the non-football injury or illness list, when that roster bonus comes due, you don't get the money, typically. Darnold finagled an exception where he'll still get the money. And that, that's important because simple, innocuous situation. 
A guy's playing basketball with his buddies two weeks before camp. He sprains his ankle. He can't pass the physical before camp. It's not a football injury because he did it on his own playing basketball. He would lose that sizable training camp roster bonus. So that's something else that Darnold got. So the deal's done. Darnold's in. The only guy who's still out is Roquan Smith, the Bears linebacker, because the Bears won't relent on their expectation that if Smith gets gets suspended for violating the helmet rules, his future guarantees void. The Bears won't blink. Smith is digging in. Dave Wanstead called the agent selfish. I don't think Wanstead understands the issues. Why should the player be subject to losing his guaranteed money for doing something aimed at helping the team win? It's one thing to get in trouble off the field. I, I think this whole issue of voiding guarantees was was aimed at addressing a situation where a guy gets in trouble, the team decides we're cutting him, but they still have to pay him a bunch of money. Well, if the guarantees void, then you cut him and you don't have to pay him. And maybe that's the requirement. If you're going to void the guarantees, you have to cut him. Because I think what some of these teams want to do is carry around a get-out-of-jail-free card where if we decide at some point this guy sucks, well, the guarantees have been voided so we can dump him anytime we want with no further financial obligation. All right. Very brief point I want to make about the Anthem controversy. There's going to be a story at PFT with some comments from Art Rooney. Let me tell you where I think the wind is blowing on this, and I'm surprised by it. But I think the wind is blowing in the direction of the union eventually agreeing on behalf of all players to stand for the anthem. That's where I think this is going, based upon these comments that I've I've seen made publicly or heard, I guess, and other things I've heard behind the scenes. I believe that's where this is heading. And I think the union is going to agree to it. There's going to be some players who don't like it. But you know what? It doesn't have to be unanimous to get the union to agree to a point along these lines. And I think that the union recognizes there is value in making this issue go away. Not that it's going to go away permanently, because I still think there will be some blowback. There will be some media scrutiny. There will be some players who are upset by what happened. And there may be some issues moving forward where players decide they're going to defy both the league and the union. But that's where I think this is heading. And I think part of what the union will be doing here is trying to set the right atmosphere for the looming CBA negotiations. They're not going to insist on some major concession to agree to stand for the anthem. I think the the players recognize, or at least union leadership recognizes, it's not in their interests, long-term, big picture, to have this issue lingering that the commander-in-chief and his base can constantly, constantly keep harping on. So maybe it's never going to go away completely, But I think this could be a way for it to come close to going away and maybe subsiding. All right. I'm going to go away, at least as it relates to the things I say right now. I'm going to defer to the things I said a couple of days ago, specifically the questions I asked to Kyle Rudolph, Mike Zimmer, Everson Griffin, Daniil Hunter. All four interviews will play back to back to back to back. And then we'll talk again on Tuesday. Have a great day. Enjoy the Vikings interviews. And, uh... As I said, Case Keenum on Tuesday, Patrick Mahomes on Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay, it's a little PFTPM podcast on site in Minneapolis with Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph. Kyle, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. Entering year number eight, how quickly has it gone for you? Uh, incredibly quick. I was joking around with a couple of the rookies yesterday at lunch, and you know, I told them I felt like I was just in their shoes going into my first training camp down in Mankato, eating in Gage Hall, living in Gage Hall, and now it's in the blink of an eye and you're going to your eighth training camp. So it it goes by really quick. 
What kind of an upgrade is this new facility over what you're used to at training camp? You know, Mankato was great, and obviously we had everything we needed when we were down there, but um, I think the convenience of everything being here already, uh, you know, talking to some of our guys in the equipment room and the training room, they got their first summer vacation because they didn't have to pack up to move to Mankato a week before we got there. And uh, so I just think the convenience of having everything here and obviously this facility at Twin Cities Orthopedic Performance Center is second to none that I've ever seen. So uh, we have every resource imaginable here to be successful. I'm having a hard time getting a read on what the expectations are for this Vikings team. One step from the Super Bowl last year, plenty of change, especially at a fairly important position this year. What's your thought on what it's going to take for this team to come out of 2018 successfully? Uh, Well, for us, it's about taking the next step. You know, obviously we came up short last year and it's about taking that next step, getting a game further and winning that game. You know, everything we do around here is about bringing a championship, bringing the first championship to Minnesota. And obviously we're no stranger to change at the quarterback position. We've had quite a lot of it over the years. So um, obviously this year you're bringing in a little bit um, higher name guy, prize free agent. Um, Kirk's been unbelievable. He fits in incredibly well with our locker room, with our team, with our offense. And, um, you know, he's just worked hard and and been very diligent in uh, learning the new offense and honestly leading this offense since day one. NFC Championship game, first drive for the Vikings. You catch a touchdown pass at 7-0. It felt just like any other Vikings game last year where it's all going to fall the right way. How much do you learn from what happened the rest of the way to help get to that next level this year? Well, I think we learn about what makes us successful. And honestly, you go back to the NFC Championship game, the second half of the New Orleans game, to be quite honest. Um, And then our last loss before that was Carolina. And you look at why did we not play well in in those games or the half against New Orleans? And, you know, we have a style of football here that we've established under Coach Zimmer and, uh, you know, playing smart, tough, complimentary football. And, you know, in those 10 quarters, we didn't do it. You know, obviously you look at the NFC Championship game, you mentioned it, we went right down the field. We scored on our first drive. They actually went three and out on their first drive. We had the ball driving again. Uh, and then that's when, you know, we turned it over the first time with the pick six and then uh, turned it over a couple more times, I think five times total in that game. And, you know, we're not built to win games in that fashion. So uh, we got to get back to doing what helped us win 14 games last year. How important is it in the moment to deal with that adversity, forget about it, and not let it feel like – because it felt like a tidal wave. Mm-hmm. Like once it started, here we go. And then the Vikings are driving again and the sack from uh, Derek Barnett. And here we, and it's like you can't get out of it. H- how do you actually in that moment get yourself to forget about what's gone wrong and focus on getting things right? Well, like you said, you know, you go back to throughout everything that happened, you know, we still had that play um, with a chance to score to tie it at 14 and then the, the strip sack, another turnover. Um, but when things are going bad, you have to really just simplify things and, you know, a kind of a mentality that my tight end coach Clancy Barone has instilled in us is just go get the first first down and, you know, don't worry about a 10 to 12 play scoring drive. Just let's get a first down. Let's get settled down and let's get things moving. And, you know, when adversity hits, you just have to really simplify things. And, you know, that's the way we do it on offense. I can't think of another team that got as far as the Vikings did with three starting caliber quarterbacks on the roster, all three gone now. Kirk Cousins is in. You talked about Mike Zimmer's style of football. What have you seen from Kirk Cousins as it relates to that style of football? And really, how different will it be this year with Cousins at quarterback? 
Well, I think, like I said, Kirk's done an unbelievable job coming here and, and fitting into the way that we do things here. And, you know, Kirk is a smart guy. He's a smart football player. He knows situational football. And that's one of the things that Coach Zimmer always stresses to us as a team is, you know, we're going to be the best when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter and, and we know how we have to execute to win the game. And, um, you know, Kirk is no stranger to that. He, he's prepared himself throughout his entire career to be in those situations and to win those games. So um, it's our job to help him out, to make plays for him. Uh, you know, no quarterback can just stand back there by themselves and, and win football games. So as offensive playmakers, it's our job to help him. I think he called you a mattress during the offseason. Have you ever been called a mattress before, and is that a good thing? I have not been called a mattress before, but um, I may have mentioned before, I'm okay with it. It's, it's good. You know, usually people, one of the things that you spend a lot of money on is always a mattress. It's something <laughs> that they always say that, you know, you don't want to skimp on your mattress. It's, you know, you spend almost as much time on that as you do doing anything else during the day. So I think he has a high value on mattresses, and I'm okay with that. Now, there's a new offensive coordinator in John DiFilippo and a lot of buzz about what DiFilippo does with tight ends. And, and there's a belief that this could be a huge year for Kyle Rudolph getting the ball thrown his way, catching the football. How do you prepare differently for a year when you think maybe there will be more opportunities to catch the ball and do something with it? Well, you know, for us as tight ends, the position can vary our role can vary from week to week depending on you know who we're playing if they have good rushers you know there's so many talented rushers in this league it's it's unfair to leave tackles one-on-one with them and you know that's where our job kind of can change on a weekly basis but you know going into every season I have these same expectations to go out and catch a ton of balls and um, you know obviously you don't meet those expectations every year but um, I'm looking forward to getting back to uh, the numbers that I put up two years ago I I mentioned after that season that's kind of a baseline for me that's where I want to be every single year so uh, I'm looking forward to making plays and helping our team win games um, whether that's in the red zone or between the 20s you know whenever I can. What have you seen nuts and bolts so far from the DiFilippo offense that will be different from what Pat Shermer was doing? Well, to be quite honest, you know, there's so many similarities between um, coordinators nowadays. You, you see a lot of concepts that everybody's running. It's a copycat league. When someone sees a team has success with it, um, you know, I can't tell you how many times last year we saw Philly do some stuff and uh, liked the way they did it. So we put it in and started running it. And uh, the biggest challenge, if you would, is forgetting old terminology and you know well we had this exact play but we called it this uh so forgetting that old terminology and and learning new terminology and then communicating that terminology and it's got to be the way that we speak on offense uh so that's probably been the most difficult part so far it was a third string tight end that threw the touchdown pass to Nick Foles in the Super Bowl. How do you figure out which tight end throws the touchdown pass to Kirk Cousins with DiFilippo pulling the string on the on the play call? Well, we also have a former college quarterback in our tight end room in Blake Bell. So uh, it might be tough to take him down, but I played quarterback in fourth grade. So we, we, <laughs> we, we won the championship. So maybe I can put that on my resume for Flip and see if he'll let me throw one. All right, Kyle, something else that you could put positive on the resume. We hope Super Bowl champion gets on there for you at some point. Appreciate some your time wish you all the best in the future yeah mike thank you so much in the beautiful new vikings facility in the office of coach mike zimmer and coincidentally mike zimmer joins me right now coach how's it going doing great i saw a little while ago that at your farm in kentucky somehow paul allen snuck in he got past security and uh how did that come to be that you let a guy like paul allen in your premises well, I think it was a weak moment. You know, we were we were having a good day at practice, and he came up and was talking to me about the ranch, and I 
unfortunately, I said, hey, you should come down today or sometime. How many acres you got down there? 160. Oh, wow. Uh, how much time you spend there in the off season? As much as I can. Um, you know, during during the spring, I'll go down there f- on, like every other weekend and then most of the time when we're off in the summer. How much time do you spend down there working versus relaxing? I relax a lot more than I work, but unless it's during the season. Um, springtime, a little, you know, the coaches hate it when I go down there because I'll come back with a bunch of ideas and I'll say, let's try this when we get back. So they don't really like me to go down there on the weekends much. How hard is it, though, for a coach to ever turn it off completely? I mean, you, you always have to be thinking of something that can Im- improve the team one way or another. Yeah, well, it, you know, Mike, I think, you know, there's certain times that you kind of just try to block it all out. And there's times when, you know, as it gets closer to the season, like when I was down there the last couple of weeks, Every day was something, you know, I'd be thinking about something, writing down notes, um, you know, that I want to talk about the coaches with or with the team. Uh, and so I think, you know, then, you know, when you're in football, you're in football. And then you, uh, you get a little antsy as you're getting closer to it. What out of last season is the thing that will linger with you the most? Uh, losing the championship game. Um you know, I thought we had a really good football team. We were on a roll. We won a bunch of games in a row. Um, you know, so that, that one stung a lot. Um, Philadelphia did a great job, um, you know, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, it is so hard to get that close and, and not accomplish what you're, what you're really trying to get done. But, um, you know, we didn't do it, and so we'll come back out and we'll fight again this year. What is it out of that game that you can take as a practical matter and use to help yourself, your staff, your team get to that level again and this time punch through to the next level? Yeah, well, I think part of, you know, I think part of it is understanding the situation. Like, I didn't understand – probably well enough the emotional part of the week before winning on the last play um you know and trying to get him back down to earth a little bit um you know going into playing on the road knowing how you know how tough that was in that kind of environment also the the other thing it was a little bit you know all of you know we have a lot of big games but you know that game is different you know there there's all kinds of media there all kinds of celebrities all kinds of different people and they're all coming up to you before the game and so you have to be extremely focused in those situations and i'm not saying that we weren't i'm just saying it was it was different than a normal football game how hard is it not just to go back to zero and zero and reconfigure after what happened last year but now you have a new quarterback who's fresh to everything here. How hard is it to incorporate him into everything and then expect to come out and be just as good as you were last year? Yeah, well, um, you know, the one the one thing that we we have is pretty good stability here is on defense. You know, we've got most all the guys coming. Incorporate a lot of things that Kirk does well and what he feels comfortable with. And, you know, I've talked to the offensive coaches about, okay, it's not – it, it, it's it's mostly about what Kirk does well, but also what does Dalvin Cook do well? What does Diggs do well? What does Thielen do well? What, what does um, um, Rudolph do well? What does our offensive line do well? And so if we can incorporate all those things where they feel good and comfortable about terminology, I had to talk with Kirk and, you know, it was about how, you know, he's in Washington for six years, so he felt extremely comfortable with that, that offense and everything they did and how fast we can get him really so he doesn't have to think and he just goes out and plays uh that'll be a big factor for us dalvin cook had a very heavy load for the team last year in the first four games he played then came the injury any hesitation this year about throwing him back in and giving him that same kind of workload 
Well, I think you always have a little he hesitation when there's, um, you know, when he's coming off a major injury. But, uh, you know, we, we'll, we're going to be careful with him here in, in the beginning, especially in the beginning of training camp. Um, you know, I think that's just being smart. But at some point, we're going to have to give him some hits and, uh, and let him feel like, you know, okay, well, wow, I got hit there and, okay, I didn't get hurt, I'm ready to go. So, you know, part of it is for his confidence, and, and, uh, but we're going to take it slow with that. It's been an emotional week around the Vikings because of the passing of Coach Tony Sperano. Here you are at the start of training camp. What is happening for you as you continue to process what's happened, but also focus on the fact that there's work that needs to be done? Yeah, it's, it, it's been a, a very, very difficult week, um, not just for me, obviously. Uh, you know, for a lot of the players, they, they loved and respected Tony. Um, you know, he was he was a great man and great teacher and a great coach and a guy that I leaned on an awful lot, um, you know, because he's been in my shoes. And so those things were all hard. And then, you know, you're trying to help do the best you can of with their family and going over and seeing them and, and talking to the team. And, um, and then, you know, but you're also trying to think, okay, well, what are we going to do now? Uh, you know, and how do we handle it? And, you know, I told the team today, unfortunately, uh, my four years here, we've been through, a, we've had a lot of adversity. Um, and, and typically we go out and we overcome it, and that's what we're going to continue to do. I know Coach Parcells has been a, a resource for you over the past few years and really throughout your career. But what advice has he given you this past week about this situation? Yeah, I talked to him, uh, you know, a couple of times. Is really that I, I was one that, that told him about Tony's death. Um, you know, he... He was shocked, obviously, and, you know, Tony was one of his coaches as well. Um, you know, we, we just talked about the things that, uh, you know, what we have to do moving forward, and um, he gave me some advice, and, and we talked there. I almost called him this morning, but I didn't get around to it. Big picture when you look at your team this year, you know, people on the outside are going to say, well, they almost got to the Super Bowl last year, and they have a new quarterback, and everybody's excited about it, and he's making a lot of money, so the team just automatically gets back to the Final Four and just automatically punches. And you know how hard it is to go back to zero and zero. What kind of a challenge is it for you as it relates to the message to your team day in and day out to not think about January, not think about unfinished business, think right. about what we have to do today and what we have to do tomorrow? Well, I think I'm, I'm very, very fortunate with the, with the type of team and players that I have on this team that, that understand those things. Uh, you know, I've been in the NFL now for 25 years. I went to the NFC Championship game my first year and lost, won the Super Bowl in the second, second year, and I have not been back. You know, last year was the first time I've even been back to the championship game. So, you know, it is it is extremely tough. Um, you know, injuries happen. There's lots of things that happen. And really, it's it's about how we play on Sunday. It's not about any what anybody else says. It's, yeah, are we executing and doing the things that we're supposed to do on Sundays in order to win football games? The Vikings have a lot of players with recognizable names. Give me a guy that may not be all that recognizable now who will be once we get into the season. Recognizable name. Um, let me think. Does Danell Hunter, does he count? No. Kind of. Kendricks, does he count? N no, no. Smith. Uh, Somebody who has, some, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Kirk Cousins. You know what, who might be a factor? Um, Mike Hughes. I think Mike Hughes could be a factor. He's, uh, you know, in the stuff that we've done with the rookies and in OTAs, he's done a really nice job in, in nickel corner. It looks like he's, do, he's done a nice job of returning and things like that. Um, so he's not a big, you know, I know he's a first-round pick, but he might um, end up being uh, 
Uh, and we got a couple young defensive linemen who I think really have a chance to be be pretty good. Uh, Tayshawn Bauer might be pretty good. We'll, you know, hopefully he has a good camp. And um, but uh, you know, I, I like. I like I like this football team. I like a lot of the guys on it. How many defensive linemen do you want to have in that rotation that you use on a regular basis? As many as we can. <laughs> um, you know, we'll we'll probably try to rotate seven or eight. We didn't rotate enough last year, probably, and you know that might have been a little bit of a factor toward the end of the year. But um, you know, I think we're going to try to do it. You know, it's always hard. The other team's a good team, and you're playing them, and you want your best players on the field, and. Uh, you know, so we we as coaches have to monitor that pretty good. How involved will you be in the offense now with John Filippo here as the coordinator? Um, you know, maybe about the same as I was with Pat. Uh, you know, John and I have had good conversations, and we've we've been able to sit down and, and talk. And John's you know John's been great. You know, anything I talk about, he's he he you know he listens to and. And I tell him, you know, you don't have to do this, but you know, think about think about doing this or think about doing that. And uh, you know, this this is what I look at it through defensive eyes. You know, this is what hurts defenses. And um, you know, so uh, he's been good. And you know, I'll have, you know, and especially with with the loss of Tony, I think I'm going to have to be a little bit more involved over there. The run pass option is the new trend in the NFL. It was the read option six years ago, and the defense has figured out how to shut it down. How long until defenses figure out how to deal with the RPO? Well, I think, uh, you know, I've, uh, I told our coaches, I said, this is going to be the new thing in the NFL. You know, we got to get back on it. We got to start, you know, it's like Tampa 2 and, like you said, the read option, and now it's the RPO. Uh, you know, every year there's a different challenge in the NFL about, you know, the Wildcat. Um, you know, back in the old days, you know, no one went to shotgun unless it was third down. So uh, it's like everything else. Um, you know, it's cyclical. It's um, you know, you, you you keep working on different things, and and you know, we spent a lot of time on it this spring. And you know, I want to ask you what you're going to do, but I know you're not going to tell me, no, so I'm, I'm not going to waste either of our time. No, I'm not. Gonna, but it, but it's fun. You know, it's really fun when you when you get challenges like that. You know, as a coach, you get challenges like. Okay, well, we have to figure out what we're going to do. And we sit down and we talk and we watch tape and we study and keep working and trying to figure out different ways how to attack things that have hurt you or attack things that have been good. So, um, you know, for me, I love it. I love it that it's that kind of a challenge. Last one for you, and uh, I, I'll, I'll beat myself over the head if I don't ask it. And I guess that pun really doesn't work well here. The new helmet rule, right? I don't know what it means. I don't know how it applies. I know how it applies in space, but where I'm confused is how it's going to apply in the trenches. Do you have an understanding of what's allowed, what's not allowed, and how you coach that to your players? Well, I think the biggest – I think, Mike, it's, there's going to be some give and take as we get going through the preseason and understanding it all. Uh, you know, I'm watching the tapes, and, and I see – and like you say, I think it's going to happen a lot more in space. You know, I see and I say, oh, I think that's going to be a penalty, or I wonder if that's going to be a penalty. So, uh, you know, we're we're all going to have to work through it as as we continue to go. I think as we coach it, though, we're going to tr continually try to, you know, like back in the old days when you made tackles, you you know, you keep your face up and try to slide your head to the side, and you know, don't use your helmet and uh, you know, basically as a weapon. Isn't it better though to have clarity going into the season and to find out the hard way when Dalvin Cooks run the ball? 65 yards for a touchdown and there's a flag on the field because somebody didn't get his head up on you know on the offensive line yeah and um yeah there's definitely clarity but you know there's a lot of ambiguity with 
some of the holding and some of the pass interference and all the other things too, which they're they're all trying to clean up. And it's a hard, you know, the officials have a hard job, um, you know, and everybody complains about them, but you know they have a hard job to do as well. How much time do you end up spending on this new kickoff formation? Yeah, we're going to spend a lot. Um, you know, we've Mike Mike Prefer and I have talked a lot about it, and and you know some of the ideas and you know. We're going to watch how the other teams are doing it in preseason just to kind of get an idea of, you know, maybe that's a better idea than what we're talking about. So um, it'll be different. You know, the the kickoff won't be that much different, but the return is probably going to be a lot different. You think there'll be more returns? Um, unless a guy kicks it out, I think there'll be – I think they'll have opportunities for more, more returns. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious if this will really eliminate some of the – big contacts, um, you know, because guys are still dropping back, so they're getting away from each other, and then they're running at each other. So I think there's still opportunity for some some big collisions. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It may turn into more like a punt return where you're running with guys as opposed to running back and hitting them. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. Well, I've already asked you two more questions beyond the one that I said was my last one. That's the old lawyer in me talking. That's so okay. I'll, I'll, we, we like doing yours. yours. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate it, Coach. As always, uh, wish you all the best moving forward. Condolences on the passing of Coach Sperano, and uh, we wish you all the best as camp gets rolling. Okay. Thank you, Mike. He's the great Everson Griffin, entering year nine of his NFL career. Does it feel like this is year nine for you? Um, no, you know, um, body-wise, no, not at all. Um, but coming out here on the first day, knocking the rust off, you know, missing a little OTAs and minicamp, you know, a little rusty in some places, but, you know, just I, I expect perf- perfection on the first day, but it's not going to happen. What do you hate the most about training camp? You know, um, I really don't hate training camp. I just hate the long meetings and the long days, you know. Besides coming out here and playing football, you know, it's a privilege to do this every day. And, you know, I enjoy I enjoy competing and I love the game. You know, I honor the game. I respect the game. I, 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 I just dislike the long days. I've been in that new facility. Some of those chairs look pretty comfortable. Is it harder to stay awake in those long meetings in those nice new chairs? Um, no, not really. You know, um, you know, you pop a dip in or, you know, and then you feel a lot better. But, no, you know, when it's time to learn and trying to and you're trying to adapt and you know trying to achieve something you know as a team you know you, you got to stay locked in and stay ready i hear a lot about taking the next step this year but i think that may overlook how hard it is to get to where you were last year what's the challenge when it comes to focusing on getting back to where you were before you can focus on taking the next step um i think i think i think it's what we're doing right now the fundamentals you know um coming out here and grinding you know coming out here working on over switch, you know, our traditional calls, um, grinding them, um, perfecting them, and, you know, expanding our game. Um, I think it's all about the fundamentals. That's what that's what's going to take us back to where we want to go um, is the fundamentals and doing it day in and day out, repeating the same thing over and over it, but getting better at it each day. Looks like the defense is a little bit ahead of the offense. That's to be expected with all the great players you guys have. But what differences have you seen with a new quarterback running the offense? Um, you know, I've, they're, they're quicker getting lined up. They're more in sync. You know, he's more a vocal leader. You know, he's a motivator. You know, he's just, he, he's all of above. And, you know, I can't wait to, wait to see him live and go out there and, you know, compete day in and day out. You guys ended up ultimately having a great year last season. What's the one lingering memory that you'll carry from it? You know, um, the hard work. You know, it's, it's all about the hard work. The hard work it took to get there, the, the, the dedication, the sacrifice, and, you know, 
I want that to linger all the way through, you know, all the way through into where we get where we want to go. And, you know, and every team's want to go to the Super Bowl. And that's what, you know, it takes it takes a lot of hard work to get there. 13 sacks last year. Give me a number that you think you're going to hit this year. You know, right now, the way I feel out there on day one, oh, man, I got a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was rusty. But, um, you know, if, if I just keep on working, uh, you know, I'm going to work. I'm going to do my job. And, you know, I don't know, you know, be 13, even higher. Well, I appreciate some of your time as always, Everson. Congratulations on your success and all the best this year. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, we're up here at Vikings training camp with Vikings defensive end Daniil Hunter entering year four of his career. How's everything going for you so far this camp? So far, so good. Today was the first day. Good to have the guys back out, uh, just getting better. You made some headlines in the offseason with that new contract. How important was it for you to get that business taken care of so you can focus on football? No, it was... um... It was an important deal, you know. I didn't want to go into the season having distractions coming left and right to me. So, you know, it was very important that I got that out of the way and just continue to focus on football. Do you have goals for yourself as it relates to how many sacks you want to get this year? And it's, it's all about the team, man. Whenever it comes to winning games, that's all that matters to me. When you look back on your numbers from past years, and I think you had seven and a half last year, maybe 12, 12 plus the year before that, do you think more about the sacks or do you think about the ones that just barely got away? Um... Like I said, you know, I just go out there and I just do my assignment. You know, we all want sacks as a defensive line. That's our ultimate goal. But at the end of the day, you know, we're just going out there to help our team in any way we can. How do you reset after everything that happened last year, good, bad, and otherwise? You know, um, we saw the blueprint from last year. You know, we just got to build off of that. You know, it's not going to just come by itself. So we just got to take it practice by practice, you know, play by play, technique by technique, you know, to just keep building off what we had last year and just continue. How hard is that, though, day in and day out, to not think fast forward, I want to get back to the playoffs, I want to have another shot at the Eagles, I want to have another shot at the Super Bowl, and just focus on laying that foundation brick by brick from training camp to the preseason to the regular season? You know, it's, uh, it's very important, you know, because every team is capable of making it to the playoffs. You know, they're, they're, they're a team just like us, you know, they're, they're paid just like us, so you can't overlook anybody. So you got to take it practice by practice, you know, you just got to focus on your technique and get better every day you can. You guys had three starting caliber quarterbacks last year, and they're all gone now, and Kirk Cousins is here instead. From a defensive player's perspective, what have you seen from Kirk so far, off-season program? I know we're just starting training camp, but what you saw in the off-season, what about him is different from the three guys that were here last year? You know, what I've seen from the past three years that I've been here is that um, he's more of a vocal leader. You know, he... He's more of a he's, he's more of a want to guy. You know, I sat down with him one day at um, lunch we were eating, and he said that he likes being around the guys here because they come here to work and just, you know, it just makes me feel like he has that want to in order to be great. So this year for the Vikings, the expectation is going to be to take it to the next step, and a lot of people on the outside are going to be saying that if the Vikings don't at least get back to where they were last year, the perception is going to be that the team failed. What what will what what will your reaction be to that that kind of expectation from the outside? You know, like I said, it's all noise. You know, we focus on what's in our building, our staff, our our coaches, our players. You know, we our ultimate goal is to make it to the playoffs and win a championship. But you know, we got to take it game by game, practice by practice. We can't overlook anybody because this is the NFL. Which quarterback do you like hitting the most? Um, you know, any quarterback that's behind the ball, right? <laughs> basically. We all trying to kill whoever's behind. <laughs> so, like Aaron Rodgers doesn't stand out, or you get Tom Brady this year. Wouldn't you like to? Wouldn't you like to get a clean shot at Tom Brady? I mean, I'd like to sack him, but you know that that'd be the greatest goal to just 
see a free quarterback and just get a free sack and just end him. You seem like a soft-spoken guy. What do you say to a quarterback when you hit him? Well, I don't say nothing. I just get up and go on about my business. Do you lay on him a little bit before you get up? Um, a little push down? It all depends on how I, how I sack him. What do you guys, and just a couple more and then I'll let you go. This new rule with the helmet use and, you know, Al Riveron, who's in, head of, who's in charge of all the officials, has said the defensive linemen are going to have to get their head up off the ball. And what are the offensive linemen going to do? And how are they going to officiate this in the trenches? What's your understanding so far of what's going to be expected of you as a defensive player when it comes to keeping your helmet out of the fray? What do you mean? Like, what rule is this? I don't think I've heard of this rule. The new rule, or, uh, the new rule that you can't lower your helmet and initiate contact? Have you heard anything about that yet? No. So you're just going to keep playing football the way you've always played? I mean, I, I play with my hands and eyes. So I, I try to keep my helmet out of there because I know that's, that's something that can hurt you in the long run. So it's, it's better to play safe than play with your hands and your eyes. How much time do you spend fending off guys who are coming at you with their helmets? Um, it all depends. You know, you got blocks coming at you. You just got to use your hands to extend. Always have extension. That's, that's very important as a defensive lineman to have extension because if you don't, you're going to get blocked. Well, Daniil, congratulations on all the success so far. Congratulations on the new contract. All the best going forward, buddy. Thank you. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.